0: Welcome to CouncilCast, news bites and insights from the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. My name is Rob Boyce, and today we'll talk about data analytics for cyber risk, and one company in particular, Science. We're currently in Colorado Springs at the Broadmoor for the Council's 104th Annual Leadership Forum, and it seems like there's no better time than now to talk about cyber, as recent events have proved no one is safe from cybercrime organizations appear to be as vulnerable as ever for cyber attacks and data breaches and as a result take up rate for cyber coverage has seen a steady increase for companies of all sizes however the insurance industry has their own struggles from a lack of historical data to a constantly evolving risk landscape accurately pricing risk remains a concern with that i want to introduce arvind patasarthi CEO of cyber risk analytics firm, Science, which is considered the industry's leading economic cyber risk modeling platform, which quantifies cyber risk in terms of dollars and probabilities. Arvin, could we kick off with you providing a real-life example of the way in which science has helped the client better understand its exposure and the potential impact
1: in business terms? Um, thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. Um I uh, wanted to sort of, uh, a good example would be uh, Allianz Global Corporate and Specialty. A few weeks ago, they uh, put out a press release uh, about how they're working with science. And, uh, and I think there were a couple of interesting use cases there that I wanted to highlight. The first one is being able to uh, take a lot of the science data to help underwrite large risks, being able to provide that information to help calibrate uh, both the risk understanding as well as the conversation with the broker as well as the, the end customer and to be able to price and accumulate the risk. Uh, a second use case there was around automated underwriting, especially for small businesses, uh, where a lot of this information can, sort of without asking any questions for the insured, you can actually kind of go through the entire process and be able to generate policies and, and quotes without um, w- without sort of the extensive process and be able to do it in a much more real-time fashion. Uh, and the third is uh, the use case that uh, the press release talked about was business interruption. And in business interruption, the, the whole angle is that the risk is changing, right? In the old days, you were worried about you know, just a physical damage or the, 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 the office being flooded, you know, now that may be less relevant because, uh, you know, people work from home and you're more worried about your servers going down and things like that. So I think those are sort of three interesting use cases uh, about how, you know, science works with, um, uh, to be able to allow a lot of the data that we have to be able to influence the, the insurance process.
0: Right. Well, the insurance industry is used to modeling risk based on natural sciences like disasters, but not used to modeling risk rooted in social sciences. Has this
1: been more of a challenge or opportunity for the science team as you have gone to market? Well, it's actually a challenge and an opportunity, right? And, and let me explain why. I mean, historically, you know, when a hurricane is bearing on shore, you know, you, you know the hurricane is not changing its wind speed based upon one of your insured uh, boarding their windows, right? Whereas in, in cyber and in a lot of these kinds of 21st century risks, there, there is not just a focus on defense, but there's also a focus on the offense. And you have to sort of understand that motivation as well as that susceptibility. Um, and so, the so on one hand, the the risk is the dimension of the risk has changed because it's no longer a function of okay, I boarded my windows, I'm done. Now, you know, you put up a firewall. Somebody on the other side of the world could say, okay, well, I see your firewall, and I'm going to raise you something. So you now need to sort of manage that interplay. But the good news and the opportunity is that there's far more data at an unprecedented scale out there uh, to be able to pull all that data together and to be able. To, uh, to actually generate the models and the outputs and to have that same level of robustness and fidelity that uh, the insurers need in order to deploy capital. So I think the, the it is a challenge because it has all these new dimensions but on the other hand it's an opportunity because uh, there is a lot more data now that allows us to, to do that. When looking at this
0: risk how would you compare the breakdown between the human error or lack of cyber education within organizations with malicious activity that cyber criminal trying to get through uh, the
1: firewall. You know, what, when when we think about cyber events, you know, immediately we're worried about hackers from uh, and malicious actors and so forth. And and the interesting thing is, depending upon the claim period uh, and depending upon the insurer's history, but, but by and large, you know, if you look at it at an aggregate, you know, uh, you you'll find that maybe about you know it, it's only about uh, twenty to twenty five percent of all the claims are actually uh, not hackers; they're they're malicious insiders. You know, people with legitimate access to the information they have. Uh, another, you know, fifteen twenty percent tends to be accidents. You know, think about this as, um, you know, someone sending a spreadsheet to the wrong email address. You know, someone leaving a laptop on a train. And and to a large extent, I think what we're trying to do with looking at cyber risk is take that holistic view across. You know, of course, there's malicious actors and hackers. Of course, there's you know uh, these uh, militia. There's uh, sort of malicious insiders. There's privacy violations, there's accidents, and you kind of have to think about all of that together when you're modeling cyber risk. Great. Well,
0: 2017 was a big year for science, coming out of stealth mode just a year ago with $40 million in funding, and now science has officially announced it would be acquired by property casualty software provider Guidewire. Talk about this past year and how it has gone for the company relative to your strategic markers and goals for the company. Can you characterize how much market penetration you have with insurers and
1: reinsurers? So. Yeah, certainly we're very excited about where we've come uh, from and and where we are today. Um, I think, you know, we're very grateful to and very fortunate to have uh, as our customers some of the leading, you know, brokers, insurers, rating agencies, and regulators uh, in the insurance industry. Uh, I I think one of the, the precepts that we started the company on is that we are going to dedicate ourselves towards focusing on the insurance industry and supporting the insurance industry. And when you think about that, it sort of spans the entire gamut from the brokers to the regulators, rating agencies, reinsurers, insurers, and and I think that's important because when you're thinking about risk, you need a lingua franca across the industry, um, and and that's important because you know any any particular customer might need or any particular insured might need multiple insurers together to build that tower, uh, and they need to understand how that risk is, and they need to agree on what that risk is, or. Or an insurer turns around and gets a reinsurance tower and you need multiple reinsurers to agree on with not risk. So the, the industry, I think, you know, it's almost aligns itself to having that kind of lingua franca. And, and that's sort of what we set out to do. And that, that's, I think, precept number one. The, the second precept that we followed at Science is that we were always going to work with the industry. Um, I think, you know, in Silicon Valley, there's lots of technologies being created, but a lot of disruption Uh, for a lot of markets, and there are lots of companies out there that are trying to leverage technology, but what they're doing is they're actually now competing with the brokers or the insurers or the reinsurers. And kind of uh, the science model was that, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to partner with the industry, right? I mean, we we recognize that uh, there's a lot of data and analytics and technology that we can bring to bear, but rather than trying to use that to compete with the industry, we're actually going to partner with the industry. And that's been sort of our entire existence, And, and we're very excited Uh, you know that Guidewire has announced uh, their intention to acquire science because I think what it does is it allows you know the the bringing together of the transactional platform and the core operational platform that Guidewire has uh, with all the analytics and the data science and I think the power of this is being able to bring data science into the transactional process so just in time you know you don't want to do analytics after the event you'd like to be able to do data science and analytics as you're making the decisions as you're going through your workflows as you're going through your business processes, and I think that is sort of the the focus and the goals that uh, that this combination uh, could get. And I think you know we're very excited about the alignment again because GuideWire is focused on the insurance industry just like we are.
0: So how about the brokers? Can you explain how working with the broker is different? And is there a threshold in the size of broker who is a target for Science?
1: Well, um, I, I think it's it's you know, obviously the brokers are representing the you know we we do have broker uh, customers. Uh, and and we do have insurance customers, and and I think I'll, I'll go back to this core theme of the lingua franca, because you know the the thing is that I don't believe that um, if there is an understanding of risk, uh, it, it is in the insurer's perspective to help the broker understand that better, so they can advise and consult with their client to actually make that risk better, and that's in the client's interest because obviously they don't want to have this bad thing happen to them. Um, and simultaneously, if if the insured and the broker is able to advise the client and the the end customer on uh, on being able to do this then you know they can get themselves a better uh better price and a, and a better terms in the industry so to me i i think you know one of the the core concepts that i think we strive for is this notion of that lingua franca now obviously every individual broker or insurer might build on top of, of the science platform for their unique sort of ip uh but then we're very proud to work with um, you know, our broker partner as well as our, our insurance partner and try to actually facilitate that conversation through this sort of lingua franca. And I think that extends, you know, even to the reinsurance brokers and, and the reinsurers and, and, and then bringing in the regulators and the rating agencies. When looking at science's uh, platform, what do you consider to be at the core of science's intellectual property? Is it the scalable data engine you've created? Um, so I think there's, there's three aspects of, of how we think about what we've built, right? So the first one, is, is exactly what you were going to. It's, it's data collection and to do that at scale. Uh, and and you we know, process you know, uh, about a petabyte a month. I mean, that, that's a tremendous amount of data to have going through the system. Uh, and obviously to do that at scale itself is, is a huge challenge. But, but the challenge with data collection is something that a lot of people miss. I don't think it's about collecting, it. it's about curating it. And you need to be able to then start to find the signal in all that noise. And, and the more data you have, actually, the more noise you have, and the harder it is to find signal. So what we do is we take that data collection and we route it into a set of machine learning algorithms that basically allows us uh, to be able to try to find that signal within that noise. And the outputs of the machine learning are the risk models, and and the risk modeling basically allows it to be translatable into something that uh, the insurer and the reinsurer can actually use and deploy. But now the good news is that, or or the challenge is, of course, the risk changes. So as the risk changes, we collect more data, and that drives the machine learning to build new models, and that drives more data. And and that's the virtuous cycle of of data collection, machine learning, and risk modeling that we have built at Science. And I think that is our our sort of core metier, if you will. We're moving towards
0: cyber risk aggregation. Uh, Lloyds and Science uh, released a joint report that found a hypothetical catastrophic cyber attack targeted towards a cloud service provider could result in average losses around 53 billion dollars in a matter of days how worried are you about
1: cyber risk aggregation ramifications for underwriters um so, so to me i think you know we've been working in, and we've been very fortunate to partner with some of the world's leading uh, organizations and in the insurance was reinsurance well side and so I, I think cyber is obviously an evolving class of risk and i think one of the theses of the of the lloyd's exercise and and we worked with a number of folks uh at the Lloyd Market Association and, and, and as well as uh, other folks, the experts, industry experts, as well as government experts that participated in this. And, and I think the, the point is there is an individual aspect of risk with cyber, which is, you know, company X could actually have an event or could get hacked or, or lose information. Uh, but there is an accumulation aspect of cyber that has to be factored in. And, and, and you know, I think you know, sometimes the verbiage around that is, is a cat class but, but the accumulation stems from the parts of accumulation, like what you talked about service providers. It could be a mass vulnerability, which is the other scenario that, uh, that came about in, in that report. And, and I think the more we as an industry are able to collect the data, like science does, feed it into these models and say, well, here's the individual risk bit. Here is the accumulation aspect of it because of these common events here is the contingent business interruption aspect of it because it could be that there's a supply chain ramification or other aspects of it and I think the the more we all work together to try to understand what this risk is and understand the, the accumulation around it the more educated we will be because uh, and, and that I think is is better coverage for the end customer because they now know what their risk is uh, and I, and I think a lot of that report, more than the insurers, I would say a lot of clients actually got value from that report because they never it expanded their vistas in terms of what the risk that they're actually taking on is. And I think the better understanding of the risk and the better we have that lingua franca, the better the industry is going to be in being able to solve the, the end insured's uh, problems. Right. Well, I'm going to
0: end on a big data question. Uh, the insurance industry has been known for its protective data posture, but the competitive advantage lies within the questions you ask of the data and how you use it. So is it inevitable that the insurance industry data will go open source? And are you seeing significant
1: strides in the industry to share more data across organizations? So, so a lot of what we do at Science is that we're building that data science platform, right? So we built this um, and we're out there collecting data at scale because the assumption and, and our goal is that the insurer does not have to do that, right? Because it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of investment to go out and, and build that, uh, that infrastructure. And, and the good news is we've done it and we've bought the, you know, got the machine learning and the models. But having said that, I think you know, our outputs are basically now the inputs for the insurance industry, for an individual insurer or reinsurer's own models. And, and I think that is the right way in which how we've been helping our customers think about this issue, which is you know, there's a lot of plumbing and there's a lot of, of being able to go get all that stuff and, and, and putting it into a model usable format. But at the end of the day, every insurer has different risk appetite they have different segment focus, they have different types of customers, they have different products, they have different coverage, they have different terms, they have different limits. And, and I think what we want to then do is use our outputs as the inputs for the insurer building their own models. And, and that's how they're going, to, and, and we're working with them to help customize the science experience for their needs. And their needs becomes all the stuff that I mentioned, you know, their appetite, their policies, their coverage. And, and that's also a way for the insurer to build competitive advantage, so, in some sense, as science, you know, as, as we strive to be that lingua franca across the industry, uh, you know, each in, in, insurer, on top of science, is not only able to customize that experience for their unique needs, but then also take that and build their own IP and their own competitive advantage on top of science. So it's sort of like a have your cake and eat it too kind of approach, where you know, nobody has to go build it, everything from scratch, but simultaneously, the insurer maintains competitive advantage, maintains their customization, maintains their sort of unique IP.
0: well thanks Arvind we really appreciate your time today sounds like you guys have some very interesting developments going on again that was Arvind Parthatharty CEO of Science and thanks for joining us on Councilcast we'll see you next time